Welcome to Open to Hope Radio with your host, mother-daughter team, Dr. Gloria and Dr. Heidi Horsley. This show is brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation with the mission of helping people find hope after loss. This show has been edited for your convenience. Now, Open to Hope Radio. Our first guest today is Jeanette Fennell, and our topic is From Trauma to Social Advocacy. Jeanette Fennell used her traumatic experience of being locked in a car trunk at gunpoint to get a federal regulation passed for an internal trunk release. She then went on to found Kids and Cars, dedicated to eliminate the practice of leaving unattended children in cars. Welcome to the show, Jeanette. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you on the show, Jeanette. Uh, we were talking a little bit before we started the show, and this experience you had, I'm from San Francisco, happened right in our city, right? Um, absolutely. My husband and I, and, you know, it's interesting because we're almost at um, the anniversary um, the, of this event. It happened on Halloween weekend. And how many years ago? Um, it happened in 1995. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, we're going on 13 years. Uh-huh. And um, what happened is we were coming home with our then nine-month-old baby. We had had um, dinner with friends. And um, before the garage door at our home could come all the way down, um, masked men with guns um, rolled in under the garage door and, you know, pointed their guns at us and said, get in the trunk. And uh, that's the only thing they would say. Again, as all of this was happening, our baby was alone in the back seat. So they put us in the trunk, and um, you could hear them open the car door, and they said, there's a baby. So that was the first realization to them that there was a you know baby in the car, and it was you know couldn't have been three or four seconds more, and they took off with us in the trunk of our own car. And the baby in the car seat. We didn't know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You wouldn't know whether they took the baby right. or what. Oh my yeah. goodness. Because we, could, awesome. we couldn't hear anything, but of course he was sleeping. Mm-hmm. So um, my husband was the closest to the back seat. I was the closest to the bumper. You know, they kind of had us head to foot in there. And, um, you know, the first thing I'm thinking about is, oh, honey, I just saw this show, and if you don't get away in the first five minutes, they're going to kill you. Mm-hmm. And sort of like, well, we couldn't run, you know, because our child was with us. But, you know, he's like, it's too late for that now. So here we are going through the streets of San Francisco and, you know, two adults in the trunk bottoming out the car. Um, and it's kind of amazing how much you can tell when you're in that trunk. You know, you can tell when you're at a stop sign. You, you kind of get a sense for where um, you might be going. But um, we were praying. Oh, it we must were, have been totally frightening. Oh, I mean, we, we were like, that's it, you know, <laughs> we're dead. And um, so what happens, at least um, I found... Excuse me. Is that when when you think you're going to die, you know, you kind of get this. You hear this a lot. You get this adrenaline, and you do things maybe you wouldn't have normally thought of. Mm-hmm. So we're in this trunk, and I'm thinking, you know, maybe we could get a, a message to the outside world. And um, so I started ripping on everything I could in that trunk, you know, all, all that lining and, and carpeting. Mm-hmm. And um, so what I was able to do was expose wires that were in the back. And I started pulling on these wires thinking, you know, maybe it was the brake up li- break, uh, backup lights, maybe it was the brake lights, you know, anything to try to get a message to the outside world. And, you know, again, you could tell they were taking us through the city. Then you could tell we were on the freeway. Mm-hmm. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, no, you know, they're really, I mean, this is it. But, you know, they did that for a while, and I'm pulling and pulling on these um, lights during my prayers. And, um, and then you could tell we went off the freeway. And then we could tell we were on surface streets again. But 
then we were off-road, mm. you know, the bumpity bump. And I, yeah. I said to my husband, I said, they're going to rape me, they're going to cut us up, I mean, we're dead. Oh, and, my God. Yeah, I mean, he so wonderfully it somehow had the presence of mind to say, you know, I don't know what's going to happen, but know that I love you. Mm. So finally they stopped the car, and um, I could kind of hear uh, another motor running, you know, because our car wasn't. And then I heard him say, get it set right. Make sure you get it set right. And, and all I could think of was that they had the baby, and, you know, they had like a gun in his face, and we're going to say, you know, if you don't do this and that, we're going to blow your baby away. Mm-hmm. So finally they started talking to us through the trunk. They didn't open the lid and, you know, how much money do you have? Give us your credit cards, give us your jewelry, all that kind of stuff. So um, when they finally did open the trunk, um, I, you know, I, I've got a bad back. We were in a very terrible position for a long time. Plus I wanted to try to figure out where they had taken us. Mm-hmm. So I kind of, you know, peeked up, and that's when I got hit in the head with a gun. Oh, my gosh. And shoved back into the trunk and was told, don't you be looking around. So obviously I didn't do that anymore. But, you know, they proceeded to take all our money and, you know, just like crazy things. Like I said, you know, do you want my necklace? They said, yes. And they said to my husband, do you have a necklace on? And he goes, no. And, of course, they take their gun and, you know, like separate his shirt to make sure he doesn't have a necklace. You know, just kind of creepy things like that. They took all of our money, all of our jewelry, and then kept um, asking us, you know, what's the PIN number for your ATM? What's the PIN number? Mm -hmm. So we gave them that information. The last thing they said to us is, um, you know, if this isn't the right PIN number, we're going to come back and kill you. And for some reason, that was very calming because we gave them the right PIN number, and it meant that they were leaving. Uh So um, this is where the story gets, you know, very interesting because the car was not running. You know, we didn't have the keys, nothing. You know, there was no light torch whatsoever. And in that area where I'd ripped everything apart, I saw a light. And then I said to my husband, I think I found the trunk release. And and trust Mm -hmm. me, I'm not that smart. And (laughs) I don't know where those words came from. They they came out of my mouth but not from my brain. So I I took his hands and I put them in this area. And, you know, he's mechanical enough. He felt around. And, you know, when you're in your car and you um, release the trunk, Mm -hmm. how it pops up? Well, he found that cable. He pulled it and the trunk went beep. Oh, my gosh. And we, I mean, you know, couldn't believe it. I pulled vault out of that trunk, go to the back seat. There's no baby. There's oh, no God. car seat. There is nothing. Oh, no. And, um, you know, all I could think was that, you know, it's, again, funny how your mind works, but you think, you know, they're um, going to sell my baby for $30,000. But 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 yet you don't want to lose hope. So I kept saying, you know, maybe they took him out at home. Maybe they took him out at home. So my husband gets in the car and... Um, and he keeps insisting that we call, you know, get to a phone booth because they took everything, our cell phones included. But um, you know that we call nine one one. I keep insisting, let's go home. But but he was right, and we did find out we were in the mi- middle of the project, so we were not in a safe area. But finally got to a payphone, and you know, officers came to us, and they sent an officer to our home, and um, you know, waited and waited, and finally, you know, through the nine one one operator, um, we got the message that. Yes, the officer had found our baby, that he was okay. He was just thrown in front of our house in his car seat. Oh, my gosh. That's unbelievable. And, 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 so know, they never took the baby with you then? No, no. And, and uh, you know, we didn't know that. But can you imagine when oh, you get out of your car and, and your baby's not there? Oh. I mean, so I'm on your front, your front lawn. Just well, you know, in San Francisco, we don't have front lawns. That's right, right on the, lo- on the sidewalk there. Yeah, he was out there. And this was in the middle of the night. So no one really had found him. But, you know, I always say a little bit of a side story is, you know, for people that use car seats, 
it can save the kid's life even if they're not in the car. Right. right. So strapped into a seat. Yeah. Had he not been, um, you know, things could have been very different. Absolutely. Have ended differently. So, so you got the baby and, and things turned out all right. Now, uh, we don't have too much time, so I want to go on to what you've done with that. Now, you must have been terribly traumatized. Yeah, we were incredibly traumatized. And, um, you know, one, one of the officers had said to us after we found out that the baby was okay is that it never ends like this. And I'm like, well, you know, what do you mean? And they're like, you don't have to have too much of an imagination when you look at the number of things that happen. So that tape kept going around in my head. How does it end? How does it end? And to make a very long story short, what I decided was, this is crazy. You shouldn't be able to put people in their own trunk and they can't get out. Mm-hmm. And um, started to do a lot of research and found out that no one really knew anything about this topic. I built a database um, and called everybody, talked to anybody that would speak with me, and, and really channeled you know, that trauma into something positive. So um, what ended up happening after four long years, we were able to get a federal regulation passed such that now any vehicle, if it's 2002 or newer, there will be a glow-in-the-dark trunk release mm. in that trunk. And what's even more exciting is that we do not know of one fatality in a vehicle that has an inside trunk release. Mm. You know, That's when you work on these things, yeah, you hope to bring down the deaths, you, ter- you hope to bring these numbers down, but to right now say it's zero um, makes us incredibly happy. And now you've gone on to even be involved with kids uh, kids in cars, period, accidents mm-hmm. that happen to kids, kids you know, like right, being left in a car and talk or, about or that. Or being, being run over. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, what, what had happened is um, while I was working on trying to get trunk releases in, different people would contact me and say, you know, you should be working on power windows because they're strangling and killing kids. You should be working, you know, on kids knocking cars into gear. And what happened is all of these things have one thing in common, and that's all of these things happen off the public road or highway. Mm-hmm. And believe it or not, our government didn't collect any data about things like trunk entrapment, things about like kids left in hot cars, kids being backed over in driveways, nothing. So that's where we got involved, again, built a database, really showed people what a huge, huge problem this is. Well, I was shocked when, you, when I saw on your website you said 50 children a week are backed over. Absolutely. It was, it 48 like ended up I was shocked. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't have any idea. Well, and most people don't because, mm-hmm. again, when there's no data, there's no problem. And um, what we were able to do, you know, was bring this issue to light. And, um, you know, what we most recently have done is make power window switches safer. Um, We got a bill passed. In fact, it was effective October 1st of this month. And um, what we'll do is where they used to have these toggle or rocker switches, you know, that you could just inadvertently hit and, and the window would go up or a little child would kneel on it and be strangled to death, now it has to be you pull um, up on the switch for the window to go up and push down on the switch for the window to go down. And, you know, we've also gotten um, a law passed that now our government finally has to start collecting data about non-traffic incidents. So we're very, very excited. Now tell our audience how they'd uh, get in touch with you or find you. Well, um, we have a website, which is www.kidsandcars.com. Dot O-R-G. So kids and cars. Kidsandcars.org. And, you know, the, the, the situations we deal with, um, 
you know, when, when you feel like the worst thing that ever could happen in the world is the death of a child. I mean, I just don't think it gets worse than that, except for the parents we work with. Now, these are parents, wonderful parents, who couldn't see their child and backed over and killed them or inadvertently, you know, thought the child was dropped off at daycare but um, wasn't, and they die of hyperthermia. So suddenly the people who love them the most are now responsible for their death, and that's a burden that's just incredible to bear. So if you're out there, first of all, we want to say you're not alone. If this has happened to you, there are people who understand, who care, and, you know, who want to help you. Now, what what kinds of things do you do with the these parents? Well, um, in, you know, we talk, it does help them feel like they're not so alone. Absolutely. They feel like this is the only, you know, they're the only parents that this has ever happened to. So in some cases, you know, we hook them up with other parents that have had similar situations. But I can tell you the bill that we got passed would never have happened without all of our survivor advocates. I mean, we had these wonderful families after this trauma come to Washington, D.C., bring pictures of their child who had died and talk to our legislators and let them know about how prevalent this is and how, you know, by passing this law, um, you know, it will save children's lives. You know, Heidi and I always say, don't we, Heidi, that one of the first steps towards healing is just uh, being able to do, as you move along, if it's, this has happened to you in the first year or whatever, you know, the person you should be taking care of is yourself for sure. But when you feel, and some people feel earlier that they can they can uh, reach out a little bit, but don't you think that's kind of the first step, Heidi? Is is to take care of yourself? Uh, is to take care of yourself, but the, in kind of the healing process is reaching out. Doing absolutely, and 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 building awareness, mm-hmm. which is part of reaching out. Yeah, and yeah. and that's one thing that we have found as well is I mean everyone of course grieves differently, and we've got parents who I can't even believe you know two weeks after this tragedy right. get a hold of us, and we always respect people's um, privacy, so we would never contact someone you know until it's been a year or so, but. Um, you know, some people are ready to go. Some people want to write letters. Some people, you know, really um, want to make some sense of this, you know, terrible tragedy that has happened in their lives. And, you know, one of the things, Jeanette, that comes up for me with this is it, it really doesn't have to be a death. It, the trauma for you was huge that put this energy for you to be able to move in and do this, I assume. Yeah, and I think that is important that, you know, someone doesn't have to die for you to get involved. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I felt as though definitely um, we were blessed as a family. And, I mean, things happen to me like, and, you know, people probably think you're crazy, but I got a fax from God. And he said, you know, family, your family's been, sh- been spared. Now you do this, this, and this, and this. And you can imagine you know, the number of naysayers and, and the difficulty on trying to, to get the federal government and the auto industry to change anything. Right. So right. Um, if you plot along, it, it can be done. Well, Jeanette, well, and it sounds like you wanted to make sure that it would never, ever happen to anyone again. They would never be trapped in exactly. a trunk. Exactly. And those Thinking are the key, they were going to die. Yes, and, and the, that are the key, those are those key words we hear from parents. As soon as they say, I want to make sure another family doesn't have to suffer like we are, mm-hmm. you know they are on the way to being a survivor advocate. Oh, that's mm-hmm. great. Do you, uh, thank you so much for being on the show, and it, it's time for us to close, and I wondered if you had anything that you would like to uh, close the show with. I, I would. I, I just have one last thought, because I know, um, you know, this is something everybody um, wants to make sure is that we don't lose another child and we pursue a safer world for our children. And that is 
Um, when a husband or wife dies, they are known as a widow or a widower. When a child loses their parents, they become an orphan. But when a child dies, there are no words. Ah, thank you. Thanks so much for being on our show, Jeanette. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Jeanette. You have been listening to Open to Hope Radio. You can sign up for our newsletter, Facebook, and Twitter on our homepage at opentohope.com.